Hello again, everybody. I'm on the western side of Miami Beach. <laughs> uh, towards the sunset, about an hour away from that. So I'm looking out into Miami uh, across the across the way. It's probably about an I don't know, maybe a mile uh, across here. I don't know exactly what the distance is, but it's pretty short. Uh, and all the boats are, uh, there's a lot of boats parked out in the middle of this uh, little area here. Probably just in, in uh, from one highway to the next over the way. It's probably about 50 to 75 various size boats and whatnot. Uh, don't see a lot of, all of them are anchored and just <clears throat> uh, off the shore here uh, for various reasons. I don't see a lot of people though. At least not, not that I can tell. So yeah, coming from Miami Beach, trying to decide what I'm going to do next here with uh, various projects. The sooner I get over here, everybody's walking their dog and everything else. <laughs> Never fails. Never fails. And then they take their sweet old time. By the way, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Because everybody here has to be nosy about what you're doing because they can't can't just enjoy life the way it is so anyways very interesting different just a different view from uh, the Atlantic Ocean I mean actually technically I am looking at the Atlantic Ocean just not uh, at the beach level I'm on a basically a little there's a sidewalk here little walk area uh, around the condominiums that are built up here and uh, yeah just overlooking that I hate to I hate to uh, get interrupted when I was thinking here so uh, yeah so all of my uh, work and efforts in the next uh, couple months are going to be uh, tied to uh, getting uh, this uh, <laughs> two volume series done it's taken a lot longer than I expected but there's lots of things going on there's new events um, I'm actually through about two and a half chapters rewrites totally rewritten it isn't it isn't anything like anything I've written uh, prior uh, uh, in the prior editions it's there are some pieces that are verbatim out of the old editions but very few I'd say less than 15 percent um just saying roughly about you know uh a lot of it's very very newly written reorganized uh less images so there isn't as much uh imageries or uh there may be a i might put in a section called memes later on uh that are tied to things that i saw or created myself or, or whatnot and I will give credit where credit's due for the people that uh, have created those memes best I can remember you don't always know who the origi originator of a meme is uh, obviously there's uh, some of the big time names are like Ben uh, I think his name is Ben Garrison Gary Varshall, uh, Varsell um, there's others that do you know basically political commentary political memes that kind of stuff um, that have been very uh, telling and uh, you know 
the way I look at it is if they publish it on Twitter or any kind of social media platform, uh, that's as long as I reference it back to the, uh, the tweet, uh, I think that's giving credit to the person because, let's face it, they want it widely disseminated. That's the whole point of making the meme. And I'm not a memeologist. I'm actually too, too, uh, too much uh, verbosity in my uh, <laughs> making of memes. I like making book covers because book covers usually have like a substantial a little little uh, extras added into it. The visual plus the they might be like a you know especially if you want to. I did one regarding uh, Nina Jankowitz and uh, Victoria Newland and Applebaum and uh, Jennifer Saki and uh, some of the others uh, made it uh, made it about Ukraine and uh, bisexuality <laughs> I made it the whole I and uh, on, uh, I made it you know because it, 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 it just lent itself to all these women that are involved in our current political diorama diarrhea maybe maybe it's maybe more like it and uh, it was interesting to uh, put that together. So anyways, that might be a section, uh, you know, maybe like a 50-page, like, here's the best memes or best uh, dissection of this entire agenda. But the written part, that's that, that might be like an appendix or maybe just a separate chapter all on its own. Maybe like a... Um, uh, Something I put between chapter uh, volume one and volume two as a uh, uh, particular in chapter for uh, chapter uh, for the for the two volumes. Actually, technically, there's going to be part four parts, two volumes, because <laughs> uh, it'll be about twenty-two to twenty-four chapters. Right now, I got it at twenty-two, which may not be enough chapters to be frank about it, but it's. I've been gathering lots of, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, stories and whatnot and PDF, uh, making PDF files out of them. Um, so much. There's just so much to go over. And, and to write it fresh and anew and make it mainly a written part, it's going to be very substantial. I mean, I'm currently at about, well, if I take away some, so far I've probably rewritten about uh, 45,000 to 50,000 words give or take something in that a ballpark um, each page is probably about 400 to 500 words usually I think it's right around 450 uh, and just different different style a little bit more uh, uh, structure to it than I did uh, in my previous volumes I mean I structured like high-level structure but I didn't really um, structure the, the the chapters or the sections very well some of that's because I just, as I grasped information, I would just plug and play it and tied uh, the volumes as it grew. Um, I mean, I started this in uh, summer of 2020, and uh, probably by the end of end of 20, 2020, I was at about you know, about 400 pages with various uh, uh, artwork and whatnot and analysis, and then each basically each uh, edition after that added about. 100 or 150 pages till I got it up to 846 pages as a total volume, which I can't publish. We can't um, make into a hard copy or a, a paperback copy. Sorry, um, because it's uh, too large. 
uh, the maximum you can go is like 600 pages for a print for a uh, actual uh, publication which is what this is going to be uh, when I get done with this it'll be a two volume series that you can buy which will probably run the whole set will probably run somewhere in the $100 range together each volume will be at least 45 40 to 45 plus that's just the way it goes um, so it will have a lot of uh, uh, citations uh, it'll probably have well over 3,000 citations links uh, either to articles or to uh, hard uh, um, like books and whatnot uh, but I'm trying not to make it too too inaccessible so that you can find stuff online at archive.org um, that reminds me no matter what you do if you read an article and it piques your curiosity save it to archive.today or what's called archive.is or ph it usually changes just put in archive.is and it'll automatically change to whatever the latest latest and greatest uh, uh, they usually add on two letters after that and then save the article and save it and it's uh save the uh when you see it so that if there's changes or if it goes missing goes 404 on you that you can get back to it or archive.org though archive.org is probably better for pdfs uh sometimes it's okay for um for websites but not quite what i it doesn't always save quite the, the way you would want it to you can do both by the way and I know that's a time-consuming step for many people in terms of how they operate in their reality. Uh, that means you'll probably spend less. But if you just open a tab, put the link into uh, the generator, or just put it in the top, there's uh, two. There's actually two uh, uh, openings. You can check to see if it's already been archived, or you can just put it in the, the save. And if you click it, and if it has been saved, it'll already be there, and then you don't got to worry about it. But if it hasn't been saved... It'll kick over automatically and start saving. It'll put in a queue and do that. I know lots of people know this, but no, lots of people don't know this. But we should do everything you can to back up these articles. Anything that's important, because um, that way you can also, when you use the, the difference between archived, I, I, you know, the uh, IS versus org. You see, in IS, you can highlight a specific passage. And it will, based upon the way it's uh, uh, the way it's set up, it'll you can link directly to that specific passage, and that's how I usually do that with inclusion of uh, quotes. And then if you click on that in in particular, uh, especially in PDF uh, uh, form, if you use the PDF, it'll automatically uh, you can click on that link and it'll take you right where you want to go. Obviously, in hard copy, it's a little bit different because obviously, <laughs> you'd have to look at the link, look at what my reference is, and then type all that shit in. Uh, but you could type to the main or uh, to the main link. It's usually a five uh, five letter number code, so it'll be like you know two three R M K capital K. So it does that so that it's a, like a random number generator. And you just multiply how many variations you can have of each one of those numbers. It's quite uh, quite inclusive. Anyway, the 
now that you've uh, been been educated on our archive.org, you can understand what I do a lot of in my you know research. I also have to double sh double make sure that there's some way of uh, backed up, or if it's such a widely shared article out there in in the interwebs, like if I put the title of the article and it pops up on three or four different uh, platforms, I usually just leave it go. I figure if it's it, it really depends upon the priority or the importance of the fact. If it's just like a general idea, I just want to show that there's a citation to it because I'm not dealing with these aren't you know scientific papers. So this isn't a scientific book uh, per se. There is going to be science in it, but uh, I'm not trying to uh, uh, bog people down in in uh, medical jargon or or uh, specific scientific uh, discoveries. It's a, mainly about capturing the history of what's gone on, what has been, what was the the initiation of it. And I'm not going to go at it quite the way like an Alex Jones. I'm just using him as a a, uh, a stand-in. By the way, I'm, I I didn't. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, you know go back all the way with every thread to the Club of Rome and everything that's tied back to various uh, people who have uh, uh, decided that uh, they need to downsize humanity by a substantial rate. Though those are important, don't get me wrong, just uh, it's not a, it's not in my uh, uh, my desire to go through all that in, in any, uh, each chapter though by the way will start off with some kind of a historical backdrop if not uh, the majority so for example the chapter two is tied to China and I start off with their their biggest their biggest uh, butthurt moment which is the 19th century so they were very upset about their century of humiliation they got taken to taken to school or taken to task by the British Empire, actually by about oh, about 15 or 20 countries, by the way, that involved themselves in their their inner workings or their internal affairs, which China doesn't take too kindly to, especially ever since they became communist. Uh, they've really uh, bought into the, the the victim narrative. What you'll always find just about everywhere is that. Uh, despite despite what we're taught, despite what we once once were taught about not you know being a victim or not playing victim or not uh, using using some kind of excuse for your behavior, you'll find that most uh, authoritarian or people who want to provide such a, a platform, of course, it's helpful if you're. Authoritarian leader or somebody in that situation is to use victimhood to get what you want. Certainly, because people are always looking to feel aggrieved, like they're the underdog or something. Of course, if they don't put any put forth any effort, then of course <laughs> it shows up and uh, and I would say um, I don't know malevolent uh, ways. So if you constantly use uh, the idea that you're a victim, certainly narcissists are like this, uh, then you think that you're you're uh, you're uh, justified to be uh, seeking uh, you know revenge, and you'll take it out on people that don't necessarily 
uh, deserve it, by the way, because they didn't cause the direct harm to you, but yet they're the ones that uh, you're targeting because, uh, well, <laughs> usually because they have something you want. That's usually what it boils down to. That's what humanity has devolved into in many cases. There's people that are always looking to uh, achieve their goals or achieve their uh, prosperity through uh, taking things from others. Now you guys, now those who are aware of history will say, well, you know, the United States took a lot of things from the Indians. And don't you think those Indians took things from people themselves? That's never been, it's never been quite uh, uh, as uh, uh, simplistic as all that. And you're never going to re, re uh, what do you call it, uh, you can re-litigate until you're blue in the face, but you're never going to actually settle who's right and wrong. Uh, that's why we were supposed to have evolved as humanity <laughs> came forward into something a little less uh, petty. But, you know, pettiness is what it is. And pettiness has always been used as a way to get away with things because that's just, that's just part of the deal. Uh, it never fails. It's tough to get people out of, the, out of that uh, mentality. I mean, I can... I mean, I can and many of you can can think of yourselves as victims at some level or some in some scenario. And you would have a probably a pretty good uh, reason to feel that way, um, at least in terms of how things are. I'm going to go into the next cavern here, even though I haven't, don't need to. Just anyway, this is open for about another hour. So anyways... Uh, yeah, there's this, there's this internal friction in, in external, I don't know, I, I, it's kind of, there's this friction that goes on in society, uh, uh, caused by, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a winner. Everybody wants to be the winner. And if you don't win, there's ways to accept that. You can accept it by saying, I need to try harder. Or you can say the other side cheat, and therefore I have to figure out a way to cheat them harder. <laughs> or have to figure out a way to subvert them out of their rights or their property or their uh, position. And make them the bad guy because I'm the good guy because I didn't win. If and, and of course, you know, people have discussed this in a much cleaner way than I'm going to in this podcast. But the idea of, uh, you know, you know, having the winner and loser mentality and and uh, um, <clears throat> is not not particularly easy to to come over when you're young and you lose, which many of us have gone through that, gone through that. You know, we've gone through our immature phase of life where you're uh, always taking the L <laughs> if you're a small and diminutive person and uh, and I mean that in relationship to other people in terms of physical size and you uh, uh, have or and you compete in athletics or some some uh, particular sport or skill that requires a certain amount of size well then of course that sticks out you lose a lot <laughs> i know this for a fact because i'm five foot six uh played a lot of baseball and 
uh, you know, I thought I did okay for what I was working with. I did the most with the talents I thought I had. Not always. I probably could have done a lot more, but, uh, you know, at some point, some point you put that away. Um, though I always will enjoy that sport and, uh, you know, it's hard not to. Hold on a second. So anyways, you know, so on a grander scheme, you know, there's societies who feel like they've been persecuted, uh, you know, <laughs> their whole whole identity is based in the, the idea that they've been persecuted, and, and yes, there's many that have been, uh, not always, uh, um, <laughs> Not always uh, continually, but they like to pretend that that's the only thing that's been happening. Uh, Or certainly that's the narrative that they're sticking to. That's a narrative that they sell. That's a narrative that they'll uh, live and die by. And, you know, you know, it's uh, built into their, as I uh, mentioned in my chapter on the CCP, it's built into their political DNA. They use that as their mechanism for, uh, you know, <laughs> against their own population, obviously, to sell them that. And, you know, there is a substantial amount of their populations that are, that are being victimized. They're victimized by their own, uh, their own leadership. Uh, it's a basically uh, 100 million successful Chinese versus 1.3 billion unsuccessful Chinese, if I want to you know, just dichotomize it to, uh, you know, those who are members of the party and those that don't have a right to vote for their own life. And they have to come up through the, come up through the mechanism. And of course, there's probably a lot more bureaucrats and technocrats that aren't a part of the party that are doing the bidding of the CCP. But you get the idea of what I'm trying to, to, to uh, illuminate here. It's the same way in the United States, by the way. It's just different numbers. So there's roughly 20 million uh, state employees, state and federal employees. Many of these people, I'm not saying all of them, but there's many of them who feel because of their authority, their position, whether it be titled as an, a police officer or director or uh, some scientist, they think that their expertise gives them carte blanche over the rest of society to carve out their little piece of of uh, power, uh, even amongst the the <laughs> amongst the grouping. And of course, then you have the Wall Street bankers, and yet the bankers are always, always without <laughs> without fail, are the ones who drive all your killing. Remember, they're the they're the ones who profiteer. Those are the ones who look for ways to make money off of your misery. Um, you know, uh, when I was less sophisticated, I used to talk about the idea that there is a, there is a, uh, you know, there are misery uh, corporations or misery uh, jobs. Think about like uh, repo, repo people, mortgage or uh, foreclosures. Uh, that was kind of uh, situations, people that are involved in those particular credit collectors, you know, they're not in, they're not in the happiness business, they're in the sadness business, they're in the, uh, well, someone, someone didn't do whatever they were supposed to do, so they're, 
their uh, whole initiative or their whole job description is about making those people more miserable. And of course, then you can include in there the facilities of law, <laughs> uh, criminal probation, stuff like that. These are misery. Uh, uh, I would even call them misery indexes. If you had looked at the number of people that are involved in certain aspects of those uh, those companies uh, or those uh, entities, so we have this. You know, even as I'm looking across a, you know, uh, you know, basically a bay here, uh, I'm thinking about you know all the wins and losses that actually are going on in the world. You know, from this angle and at this moment, everything's pretty hunky-dory. You know, obviously there's no bomb bombs hitting Miami or there's no... I mean, though you may have heard or can hear in the background a little alarm going off. But, uh, and I see the, the harbor patrols out, you know, riding around. So, uh, but for the most part, it's nice and quiet. Um, I'm actually up, there's a fence behind me, uh, and someone has a sand uh, volleyball court. And, of course, they're not out here playing, but they could be, <laughs> if they so desired. <laughs> and there's ladies walking back and forth behind me with their dogs, bringing their dogs out to poop somewhere. So, everything is about perspective, about where you're at, at the time, in the moment. And I haven't buried this too far, but uh, <laughs> I'm planning on uh, going back to West Lafayette here rather quickly uh, next week. Um, even before my stay officially runs out at the, the place I'm at. Um, I know people will say, well, didn't you... Didn't you make plans to stay down here permanently? Don't you want to give Miami a shot? I don't know. When I say I don't know, I don't know if that would ever um, be the right... This isn't the right moment for this. I don't want my Miami uh, journey to be somehow like launching... When people say, well, you can, you can get a new start, you know, it's like going to Hollywood or something like that. When Hollywood was really Hollywood, say, back 60 years ago or more. Even then it was bad, too, by the way. But, you know, we'll leave that aside. That's a whole other podcast that I have to do a lot of research on to talk about how that, you know, changed. But it's terrible now. It's absolutely abysmal. And it's been taken. Matter of fact, China is involved in that too. But anyway, so I don't want my, uh, oh, let me see if I can find a new hustle here. And I was looking for, I actually did look, I did look for, you know, my old job. And I could go work doing industrial engineering work. I'm, I mean, I don't know if I can. Um, I applied to one, didn't get any response, uh, <laughs> and I looked at other ones, and uh, yeah, I could probably work as a, you know, work in a grocery store, or work as some, you know, service industry, that's a thing too. I don't really, I don't know, I don't really know, I don't belong in service industries, 
and manufacturing well you really got to know the right you got to know your stuff and i've been so long out of that and my degree is no longer you know really valid for any of that um i need a somebody would say well you should have gone back and got some certifications or taken some courses yeah I didn't know what I was going to do. I don't. I the the fact that I made it as long as I have since my mom's passing, because um, I just winged it. I mean, I did get it. I did get an education. I got an MBA. I could work. I I, I can deal with finance and deal with uh, you know coming up with uh, new ideas. I came up with an entire business plan on the healthcare system. I haven't lately been following my own advice, but that's mainly due to the fact that you have to have a certain amount of, to be frank, you have to have a certain amount of money to eat well. I'm not, you know, I'm not the health, not the uh, as healthy as I want to be. I'm still, you know, kicking. Actually coming down here cleared up my, um, I had a breathing issue that was going on and I think maybe I maybe kicked that over, hopefully for a little while. But I, I have a, I have a solid idea, but you can't get financing. I presented it to uh, people who have money. <laughs> I did. I gave them, I gave them the, I gave them the business plan. I laid it out. I laid out what I, how I thought initial seed money could be in order to achieve that goal. I think actually it was right around. Well, for one site it was three and a half million dollars, and for what I think would be a better. Uh, uh, for roughly, and this was several years ago, by the way, this is 2017. Uh, it was roughly would have been uh, 11 and a half million for uh, three locations, and it would require uh, uh, getting hiring medical professionals and uh, nurses, or at least uh, maybe uh, nurse practitioners and people that are ideologically aligned to uh, uh, homeopathic and other. Um, you know, I would say the non-traditional medical field. <laughs> when I say non-traditional, I'm actually talking about people who actually understand what's causing the ills of the, our society, including my own ills, which I've ebbed and flowed with. I mean, I was doing well with everything uh, physically uh, as late as uh, 2018, 2019. And, and then, you know, I, I, I backslid after four years, but... A lot of that has to do with just, you know, getting back on the same treadmill, and I could probably do that. See, I know it's, and know that most of everything in life is about a behavior, about routine. Huh. To quote our our famous uh, authoritarian uh, asset uh, asset manager Larry Fink, he talked about uh, changing behaviors. That's what these people really were all about, by the way. They want to change all human behavior, which is unachievable, and they know that. They know this. They're not stupid at all. They're, that's why they want to create the authoritarian controls that they want, you know, to manage your money, to make sure you don't, and, of course, make sure your lifestyle is absolutely abysmal while their lifestyle is absolutely wonderful. Say they're just looking for the next Ponzi. They're creating the next Ponzi agenda. This is all about, it always is about money. That's what these people rule their lives by, about money and power. They'll say otherwise, but they know that. They know that, I mean, 
there the 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 idea that Vanguard and BlackRock and State Street have twenty five trillion dollars or more under their under assets under management, whether they're declining or whatever, they they're substantially invested in the Fortune five thousand across every se- segment of industry. They're not the only people, by the way. But you know, if you add in about the top the top ten assets asset managers in the world, you're talking roughly about fifty percent of the world's uh, major uh, players, if not more, at least, maybe upwards of seventy-five percent, depending upon how you look at it. I don't, I don't have a master. Uh, I have a rough idea <laughs> what the world's uh, transaction, at least the GDP transaction, but you know, value of assets around the world. It actually technically depends upon how you value assets. If you value it depends upon the changing variations of we currently value most assets in the world based upon U.S. currency. We don't, we're not basing that on it. <laughs> but that store of value is de- uh, diminishing quite rapidly. So these people are, you know, they don't care. They, As long as they hold the titles and the deeds and the uh, stock of uh, the bigger, bigger players, they'll get what they want. While the rest of us will not get what we want. They want to be the ultimate winners, and they want you to be the ultimate loser. So that gets back to our kind of like the broad brush of what I'm talking about, winning and losing. So, you know, and I've mentioned this in my prior podcast, you know. I, you know, I didn't grow up with very much, and uh, I mean, that's just the way I was positioned. I'm not blaming my mom or my dad. They just, you know, they were both a enlisted uh, personnel in the Marine Corps when they met and had and, and uh, um, you know made me. Uh, <laughs> I think in, I think it was right around Thanksgiving of Thanksgiving of 1971, so that I could be born in August of 1972. So currently we're in August and I'm 51 years old and um, through ebbs and flows and through, uh, you know, mainly downside and I've never been more than up or had more than $20,000 in my bank account. That was actually the very day I, uh, just about the very day I left TRW in 2016 and then I got back up to about 16,000. And I'm only mentioning this because I want you to know that that's it. That's that's been the high point of my financial life. Uh, you know, I saved for a while and, you know, I got myself somewhat okay. I mean, and I started looking at my money monetary uh, position based upon just like the Fed, you know. Or the a fractional reserve banking, <laughs> even if you're even if you're upside down on debt, you know, as long as you have enough money to pay your short-term bills, you're okay. Uh, yeah, why should I think otherwise? It's just the way the way it worked out. Of course, you know, you think about that. You think about that that amount of money, and and boy, that's more money than my mom and my. Uh, my mom ever had in her bank account at any time. I think the most she ever had was about ten thousand dollars in her in her business account, but that was the nineteen nineties. So technically, she probably had more money than I did. But you know, half of that was designated for her consigners. I'm only mentioning that because um, it just shows the ebb and flow of life. You know, uh, 
You know, she was always one one tragedy away from being broke and homeless. And I've always been one tragedy away from been, being broken homeless. Currently watching the jet take off and the people that are on that jet. I don't know where they're heading, but uh, um, hopefully for hopefully to uh, fond areas that they can uh, um, can find their uh, their bliss. You know, in my life, uh, you know, like I said, I wasn't all about money. I've never. I now I've gone gone without plenty of times. I've been going without very at various points in my life. I've I've been well. I mean, busted and uh, in a cage, um, stuck in a dead end job that I didn't want to do. And it sucks when you, you you think you have some capabilities. And, of course, you know, other people maybe see that, and I've had people say that. I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> but it's still about getting into the right scenario where you can actually, uh, what you call, use or exploit or, or uh, succeed in those uh, capabilities that you have. And, of course, you know, it's easier to say that when you're 22 or 25 than it is when you're 51. People don't really look at age 50 or 51 is the point where you're supposed to <laughs> start making uh, making uh, you know big things happen <laughs> uh, actually once you're past your midlife crisis they think if you haven't done anything by the time you're 45 or 48 uh, you're on the downside of uh, mediocrity from then on out I'm not saying that there aren't people that have explored the latter parts of their life and uh, managed to achieve great things after, say, 60 or something like that. No, there's people, that are, there's always people that are the, they, they break the mold. Um, for example, I remember reading a story about uh, uh, Colonel Sanders, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken dude. He, uh, you know, and I don't I don't know how how real or how apocryphal some of this stuff is, but uh, yeah, he uh, he had a uh, rather low low of low amount of money. I think it was like a hundred dollars. Uh, his social security, and he had a chicken recipe that he was trying to uh, pawn around and get people to use in order to, um, you know, <laughs> make money, and he he managed to achieve that. And he did lots of other things in his life. It sounds like he was kind of like always a hustler or salesperson. There's certain people that are just flat out able to sell sell themselves or sell a uh, product. I've never been a sales pitch person. I, I still to this day have I have a I have a, uh, a kind of a moral disdain for that. By the way. I don't even like I don't I I don't try to shamelessly self-promote though I have with this book but uh, it's because it's coming to, it's gonna have every bit of who I am inside of that book every bit I swear to you because that's the only thing I have left I don't have a I don't have you know a uh, um, you know a glorious a glorious experience of a life to to prop up and show to you and say, voila, look at me, who am I? I hate that. I hate I hate even that that even has to be the 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 path that people want to walk in their own 
on their own uh, life, you know, or much more than just, you know, the, the items we bring or the items we own or, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, we've all heard the phrase, whatever you own winds up owning you. Um, and I've had to let go of some things that I really, you know, uh, you know, I didn't think I would ever let go of. I, I had my mom's ashes until, you know, just a few, we, uh, you know, two weeks ago, roughly, or a week ago, when I, 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 uh, you know, I, you know, properly, I guess, disposed of her ashes the best way I knew how. This was after, you know, 12 years. I know people, some will, some would probably castigate me and others would laud, laud me for that. See, it doesn't really matter. There will always be someone who will judge you one way or the other. Um, the only thing is, is that you have to be happy or you have to be accepting of what you did. Um, and I don't regret it. Um, um, we're all going to wind up leaving this earth and... Uh, we have no, we don't have any idea whether we're going to wind up in the ground with a nice headstone or not. We just don't. I'll still, I, I still, here's the thing. I wanted to provide her that headstone. It costs several thousand dollars to do such things. And I probably should have at one point just taken the, taken the money and, uh, that I had and did that. I didn't. That was my fault. I visit my, I, as long as I had a car, I visited my my grandparents' graves uh, up in uh, Lowell, Indiana, periodically. I'd stop there on the 4th of July. I stopped there on their birthday. And they didn't win in life, at least not in, in so far as what other people consider winning. You know, they didn't, neither one of them amassed a... Much more than a high school, they didn't even get a total high school education. Either one of them graduated high school. I mean, my mom did. She got her, uh, she didn't even get her, uh, she uh, went, worked for an associate's degree and came up three credits short. And, uh, you know, yeah, I got my advanced education and look at where I'm at. <laughs> my grandparents at one point in their, their life were uh, homeless, living out of a, a station wagon, and they, uh, they had two daughters in their, you know, early um, single-digit years. I assume somewhere between five and seven was around the time that happened. It was the late fifties, and they, um, they, uh, they, um, you know, let relatives take care of them until they could get their get themselves on their feet. And there may have been some actions that took place while they, you know, didn't have them in their care that altered at least my aunt's perception of reality. Uh, to her detriment so you know she lost and I'm sure and my my uh, grandparents my mom, grandma and grandpa uh, did everything they could in her power to you know fix or help her she had a lot of talent my aunt did have a lot of talent she was very uh, <laughs> She had some. She had some abilities that uh, she just didn't know how to use, at least not the way she needed to. But like everything else, she's uh, had to uh, make do of what she had. Uh, she's.
in her early 70s now. If you, I, I assume she's still alive and kicking, though I haven't been around her in, since the since the funeral of my mom. And I don't want to dwell on this, but what I'm getting all at is that we're all winning and losing, always, every day of every moment. The winning and the losing, though, is supposed to build our character towards, you know, understanding that uh, that while we may have, you know, while we're often told that we have no control, we do have a substantial amount of control over what goes on, but we also uh, have to accept the losses that we may rack up. <laughs> may rack them up in, in big bunches. Um, you know, uh, I guess I'll end it here on this, is that, you know, we hear about uh, General George Washington and how little little uh, little victories he had in the early goings of the American Revolution. As a matter of fact, they were just getting their asses kicked after Lexington and Concord, where we put up a good fight. <laughs> Uh, there was a several years there where uh, our biggest, our, our best uh, agenda was to retreat and regroup and uh, fight a guerrilla battle and try to keep from being slaughtered in a massive uh, uh, confrontation with the British and hold out until we got some assistance, uh, mainly from the French, and make do what we had. And so, you know. Would it take five years, 1781, before there was a decisive moment and the right uh, circumstances of events took place uh, to uh, hand uh, Cornwallis a defeat and manage to come through? And I might be off on the date. Don't hold that against me. I think 1783 was when the treaty was officially signed, but that was a ways down the road. Anyways... So yeah, the official, but that was the the big. There was a big a confrontation, and uh, they managed to achieve that um, that right moment when things came together, the stars aligned. And many times in life, that's all you're waiting for is the right right timing, and you just make sure you live and stay alive for every moment we can, and try to make the best of what you have. And so, I mean, uh, this has been a rather long broadcast. It went all over the place. And um, I'm thankful for all the, the support and help I have uh, uh, received from many of folks. Um, I never thought I would even have as uh, many subscribers to my channel as I did. And I think, uh, again, I'll thank citizens uh Citizens Free uh, Press uh, for providing many of those, and their help is uh, uh, cannot be overstated. God bless the United States of America. God save the world.